For the longest time, the Book of Common Prayer in the United States and in England did not contain any prayers for the departed. And there were a lot of explanations for this omission. For most Anglicans, for most Episcopalians, prayers for the departed smacked of medieval superstition. So what the prayer book did, which makes some kind of sense if that's your view, is just omit anything that sounded like prayers for souls in purgatory or masses for the dead, all of which were common on the eve of the Protestant Reformation, which greatly shaped the Episcopal and Anglican tradition. There were also philosophical reservations for such prayers. What happens beyond death is both inconceivable and indescribable. And it was thought, therefore, that prayers for the departed just went too far, wandering into places where angels fear to tread, so to speak. All of that changed after World War I and following the influenza epidemic of 1918. This Sunday, of course, is the 100th anniversary of the armistice that ended the war to end all wars, a war that's often remembered in terms of numbers that are literally inconceivable. 70 million military personnel deployed. And when you count civilians, a war that resulted in more than 20 million casualties and more than 18 million deaths. So if the Episcopal Church and the Church of England were to mourn and lament and ever find some measure of healing, we had to pray for our dead. Therefore, as so often happens, especially in the Episcopal Church, culture, the world around and within us, culture reshaped liturgy. And this particular prayer for the dead was added to the 1928 Book of Common Prayer, and it was embraced, a prayer that many of us know and love And we also bless, we pray, and we also bless thy holy name for all thy servants departed in this life and thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to grant them continual growth in thy love and service. The first petition for the departed officially in a prayer book and one that's still in today. And it led, of course, to countless other prayers that we know and love for the departed. So on this Sunday, we pray especially that God will grant to all who died in World War I and to all who have died since in the tragedy that is war for World War I, as we know, did not end that tragedy. So we pray for continual growth and healing in God's presence and in heaven itself. The fact that culture and historical events such as these changed how we pray is a poignant reminder that the Episcopal Church's prayers at their best are prayers for and of the world. We want our prayers, both the official ones that we say in the book and the unofficial ones that you say in the privacy of your own heart and mind in the pews or wherever you are. We want all of those prayers to be in a word, resonant. We want our prayers to resonate with what the world longs to say to God. There's that wonderful folk myth that comes to mind um, 
about how you can hear the ocean in a seashell. The beach is not close to any of us in this moment, so you might not know this myth. And there's snow on the ground, and it's November the 11th, but I will not get distracted by that. (laughs) The myth, of course, is you, you hold the seashell to your ear, and you can hear within the seashell itself the movement of the sea, the waves, the ocean, all of that. There's a scientific explanation for that myth, and it's literally called seashell resonance. What we hear in the seashell, sadly, is not the ocean, but instead is a resonance of airflow and the surrounding noise in the environment. And that explains why, when you're at the beach, if you cup your hand, not a seashell, to your ear, you will hear the ocean, or so you think. Resonance such as that is exactly what we hope for in these prayers, that the sound of all human cries, the poignancy of gratitude, at least on better days, sounds like what we hear in these prayers and vice versa. In the deepest sense, the prayers of the church or the prayers of the world. In this gospel story, we have another story from Jesus, and this one a story about prayer, and on a deeper level, a story about resonance as well. The story is prefaced by a warning. Beware of the scribes, Jesus says, who like to walk around in long robes and say long prayers in front of everybody. Now, I am, I stand in an ironic place on this one. (laughs) I show up with long robes and long prayers and sometimes long sermons. (laughs) Here, as always, Jesus has no patience for hypocrisy. That is, for people whose appearance doesn't match what's underneath what they're really like. And hypocrisy, as we know only too well, is a particular danger for religious leaders with all of their garb, with all of what we'd call in their south their giddy-up. It's a problem for religious leaders of any stripe. But really, hypocrisy is a danger for all of us. Does what we say resonate with what we do? Does the outer match the inner? Is our skin in sync with our heart? And then Jesus tells his story. A poor widow goes to the temple, and everybody knows what you're supposed to do in the temple. What you're supposed to do here, you're supposed to pray. It's what everybody does, what you're supposed to do. Say your prayers. And then she goes to the treasury and contributes, contributes two small copper coins. They're just worth a penny. It was all that she had. As is often the case, this story should not be taken literally. No one, no one should give to the temple or this cathedral all that you have to live on. That's absurd. The point of the story is much more subtle than that. 
the widow gives, unlike the rich in this little story, the widow gives out of her poverty. That is from within, out of is the, Jesus, is the word Jesus uses. Out of her poverty or out of, if we remember the Beatitudes in Matthew's gospel, out of her poverty in spirit. What she does, in other words, is this. Her outside matches her inside. She gives something that's reflective of what's within her heart. Her skin and her heart are in sync. And that, I believe, is in part, in part, what all of us are looking for. We come to this altar table Sunday by Sunday, feast day by feast day, burial by burial, in search of something or someone, and maybe in part what we're searching for is to be made whole, to find some kind of resonance between inside and outside, between Christ and this world, between words and actions. We never become whole once and for all, of course. Wholeness is a journey that takes a lifetime. Sometimes we make it in a single day, in a single breath, but it never, ever ends. Carl Jung, the great depth psychologist, said once, and he was talking about a similar dynamic that's going on in this parable or the story from Jesus. Jung said, and I imagine him saying it with a smile on his face, that we never reach perfection. What we're striving for, and every now and then we can grasp, is approximate completeness. Approximate completeness. I like the roominess of that. Perfection, like being right, is so overrated. And perfection, or striving for it, may very well be a different form of hypocrisy as well. Only God is perfect. May Christ and the grace of God, then, help us to become approximately complete. And may the prayers that we say on this day resonate with how we actually live.